You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series, and my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject I've got prepared for you. It's Okoy Jones from the Swiss Kiwi outfit, Bulza. The reason for the conversation is to promote the Australasian Blitz Tour, which is happening across May and June, and I'll read out all of the dates. On the 28th of May, they're playing in Auckland. On the 29th, they're playing in Wellington. On the 30th of May, they're playing in Brisbane, hopefully. I'll get along to that show there because I'm certainly looking forward to it. May 31st, they're playing in Sydney. And then in June, all these dates are in June. The 1st, they're playing in Melbourne. The 7th, they're playing in Hobart. The 8th, Adelaide. You've got a show in finally Perth. You've got a show on the 9th. So let's have a listen to what Okoye has to say. Here we go. Yeah, good, good. Um, this is awesome, actually. Yeah, it was. Um, sometimes this happens where uh, an artist is a little bit of is available before the scheduled time. It just, if it's okay with you, man, there's plenty of things I'd like to talk about. Yeah, so sure. So it can be longer yeah, yeah. than fifteen minutes or twenty minutes. That'd be great. You know. Yeah, no problem. I think I think it's a real um, credit to you guys that you are continuing on the tour and that you are putting mm-hmm. on a show for your fans because you've got to know by now you've got a few down here because you really impressed people when you came down with uh, Behemoth and Watain in 2015. Yeah. Um, oh, well, thank you, man, um, first and foremost. Um, it definitely wasn't easy, you know, uh, with this the whole situation, circumstances and whatnot, hmm. um, to say we were going to continue and do it as a headline because I didn't really feel too comfortable with that, to be honest. But hmm. um, as, you sa- as you said, you know, we do have a fan base and I, um, they're, they're one of our you know, it's most impressive, um, mind-blowing yeah. uh, receptions we've ever had. So um, it would be foolish not to take up on the the um, the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we we're most certainly looking forward to it. Absolutely, mm. mate. I I'm detecting a Kiwi accent there. Is that the case? Yes, I grew up in New Zealand, so... Um, there you go. I didn't know yeah. that. There you go. Okay. Yeah, so. all right. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, not, not far yeah, actually, Indeed. actually, I've just started covering the rugby for the uni that I go to, Bond Uni, and uh, I'm got, I, oh, okay. I, yeah, I love rugby, mate. So uh, I'm not sure how we went yeah, against yeah. Australia, went against the uh, New Zealand schoolboys, but uh, you could probably imagine what the result <laughs> might have been. But uh, mate, we're we're a little bit away behind you guys at the moment, unfortunately. I'd love to see us sort of pick up the game to what it was in the '90s when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, to be honest, man, I, I don't really follow it. Um, although I, I really respect it and enjoy it as a sport. Um, yeah, I, I just don't keep tabs on what's going on much mm. when I'm over here. I just, I'm not really that much of a group sport person. Oh, but yeah. um, you know, yeah, it's it's still a great great thing, absolutely. Yeah, I was having a, I was having a chat to the lads in Alien Weaponry as well, and they were telling me they don't really follow it either. So it's really hard to find musicians that get into it. Um, particularly, yeah, yeah. Being Kiwi, I honestly thought, because I've got a lot of Kiwi mates, and um, I grew up playing rugby, you see. So it's sort of mm-hmm. my blood sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's really interesting to see there's still that um, distinction between musicians and the group sport thing that you talk about, the team sport thing that you, you talk about, because there's like that idea that they're mutually exclusive in some way. But I, I never did that. I always loved listening to heavy metal and then going to footy training or soccer training, whatever it yeah. might have been. Yeah, yeah. You know, horses for courses. I can, do which I can own, understand you know. that. Yeah, but um, mate, I, what, one other thing I did, I spent a, a good slab of the afternoon actually looking at your live recordings on YouTube. Mm-hmm. They're fucking impressive. Oh dear. <laughs> no, they're they're impressive, man. Because I mean, there's two of you up there, and I've got to tell you, I was I, I'm a, I'm a bit of a skeptic because I'm a bass player, 
I do play guitar, but first oh, right, and foremost, yeah. I'm a bass player. And and one of the things is, um, I hope the guys don't take this the wrong way, but I think I know you're mates with the guys in Mantar as well. But I didn't really yep. like the album from about two albums ago. I can't remember the name of it, um, but I really felt that it really needed a bass guitar because they, you and them, you know, you got that in common. But you've also got something uh-huh. else in common, okay? In that you you evoke Celtic Frost. Now I can't give a greater compliment than that. I really, truly can't, you know, yeah. and your performance, man, yeah, your performance, man, there's one of the performances on YouTube where you, you're bathed in this blue light, you've got that, you know, the um, the symbols that you have either side of you, the black and white sun symbol either side of you, man, and it's just like oh. a, a pagan ritual, it really draws you in, even over a video. Okay, oh, well, that's nice to hear, man, I, I appreciate that. Um, we're very um, self-critical, <laughs> so um, you know the whole the whole project is such the band and it's a it's a appearance and and all these things they're all evolving constantly. So um, it's it's seldom that we're very happy with things as they are, hmm. and um, I'm not I'm not a very big fan of you know live footage of us because it, often it's just taken you know by someone just. <laughs> on their phone oh, yeah. or whatnot, and yep. the sound often doesn't do it justice, and things like that. But it's for, it's it's you know I try not to get involved with that at all. Um, I try to just focus on on my subjective standpoint, and um, also you know trying to take an outside point of view on things uh, to ensure that it's coming across at least uh, as we would like it to. But um, yeah, it's it's a um, a strange thing, you know, especially if you're. If you're very uh, critical, as I was saying, it's... Yeah. do you get a lot of that? Do you, do, you, do you cop a little bit from the so-called true and cold metal fans out there that have a go at any semi-successful band? Oh man, you know it's always been that um, the, the the entirety of the last eight years or so, um, you have your your um, parade of praise, and then you have mm. all the haters as well, and that that's fine. I I think both are, are, cr- are crucial, you know, to to um, to improving what you're doing and uh yeah so of course there's always disdain from with lot you know you lose fans you win fans and yeah i think every time you put out a, a new release there's um yeah it's a, a set of new ears that like catches on to what you're doing and what you're trying to say uh what you're trying to evoke and um others give up and don't understand it anymore and that that's fine you know i mean i have uh, why should I have anything against that? You know, um, everything is is in constant motion, and uh, that's that's uh, the, the way of the world. <laughs> yeah, I've I've got a rule because I host a podcast series. So if it's okay with you, I want to broadcast this as part of my podcast series. But I also do writing for about three or four publications. And oh sure, yeah, yeah. And I've got a rule, mate, especially particularly with social media, because occasionally I'll see comments about articles that I've written or what have you. But my overall my overall philosophy is if it's negative, just don't respond, don't feed it. And I do not respond to it. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've interviewed everybody from some of the guys in Kiss to bands like yourselves to the guys in Five. Mm-hmm. Remember that pop band from the mm-hmm. 90s, you know? Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I do all of that stuff. So you, you tend to, I tend to sort of cover all, even hip-hop stuff, all bases. There isn't, I just love music, so I tend to just talk to any, any musician out there, really, and I always end up having really interesting conversations. And I, re- I get a lot of feedback, no doubt you do too. Of course, you get far more than I do, but from fans all over the globe, man, who just really appreciate what you're doing. And I've got to say that the feedback ratio that I get would have to be 99% positive. 
you know, and and I think it's just lifting the lid off the veneer that a lot of bands have gotten and, and, and people being able to listen. And I tend to find with podcasting too, you get real genuine music fans listening. You know, they really care about mm-hmm. the band, so fine. They're not mm-hmm. they're not they're not gonna invest their time listening to a podcast if they don't really like the artist. That's true. Um, podcasts is a quite a unique medium in that sense. Um, and, we're, you know, ironically, we've only just started um, uh, contributing to a few podcasts as of late. Like uh, last week, we did one for uh, something here in Switzerland and uh, with you. And I think we've done one in the past or twice, but uh, not, you know, a vast majority have been just standard interviews. But I think it's interesting you say that um, mm. podcasts are definitely something for the, the truer um yeah, fan or yeah, for the fans, yeah, I connoisseur did, or whatever. <laughs> I did one with um, Stuart Anstis, who was the guitarist in Cradle of Filth in the nineties. Probably easily, in my view, their their best guitarist in terms of inventive and creative guitarist. Mm-hmm. And man, I reckon every month I get, uh, you know, not a couple, but I get, I get, you know, one or two. I get, I get, I get, I get some correspondence about it. And it's and I did that almost two years ago, a year and a half ago or so. Some of them just seem to live a life of their own, well beyond the date of the interview when they're posted. And you, you love seeing that because you know that you're really connecting with the genuine fans who love music, love the artists, and they're the artists, they're the they're the fans that, if you like, they're the um, the gatekeepers of the genre moving forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're we're very reliant on them, and it's it's. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, the diehard superfan since uh, release of our demo, yeah. and they're, they're still here, and, uh, you know, we see them at, at shows all over the place. Um, it's really mind-blowing sometimes, yeah, to have that, and, mm. you know, the the the, the swathe of tattoos that have um, popped up <laughs> over the years as well. It's oh, I just, bet you get like them. crazy. Yeah. yeah. So do you yeah. get, because you're, you're, you're pretty heavily... Uh, sorted you know with regards to tattoos but i mean you you must inspire a lot of people to get pretty much the same tattoos you've got (laughs) i don't know man (laughs) um you know i've got all all my things mean a lot to me there yeah it's just deeply rooted in some archaic um energy i'm a very down-to-earth guy you know um yeah i can sense that most of it's rooted in the past and yeah mythology and and whatnot but um yeah Yep. Yeah, I think I think people people are certainly tapping into into that as well in the modern age. You know, they want they need to get in contact with something a little more uh, a little more deeply rooted than than the society is that we um, live in. So, I think they have a natural attraction to a lot of iconography, you know, from the past and previous cultures. I think you've done a really good job online too because I did dive into this part of it, explaining the reasons for some of your tattoos because you know, well, of course, you know probably more than anybody, mate, the day and age that we're living in with regards to Absolutely. the, uh, the yeah. policing of certain things and all the rest of it and the way that they attack you and your band and they've got it wrong yeah. or, or every single time because you've come out and you've, done, you've been very articulate as to the reasons that you've got certain symbols on your body and stuff and more power to you for doing that and not being um, bullied by these fuckwits. Well, man, you can only do as much as you can. You know, we live in an age of, of um, very short tempers and uh, short attention spans mm. and people just don't read enough anymore. They don't take the time to delve into you know, the, the sea of endless information that uh, is, you know, constitutes our history. Mm. Um, they would rather just take the sensationalist um, answer that pops up in front of them. And, um, you know, to, to call me anything 
uh, in the line of a bigot, a racist, um, something like that would be absolutely ludicrous. I, I come from a mixed background. I'm, you know, raised in, in exactly the opposite way. Um, I'm a very open-minded person. I, I, I choose to be critical of all things and think things very, you know, I take the difficult path. I don't take the easy path. And, um, Hmm. Of course, I'm I'm willing to take all of this this uh, flack and people that just aren't up to date, and that's cool. And we live in difficult times. I'm always willing to give my my um you know my standpoint towards that. That's no problem at all. Yeah. Um. But I think it's pretty obvious now that I, I do not uh, support any of these you know rumored uh, views. That's just ludicrous. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, indeed it is, mate. Indeed it is, and you know I, I, that's that's why I want to give you you know so much praise for going ahead with these shows here because as I've said, I've seen the, the the footage on YouTube. You know, I didn't see you guys. I did actually go to that show in 2015 in Brisbane, and I got mm-hmm. off. I was working in Cairns at the time, you know, far north of Queensland, and I was flying down, and I got off in time. My wife actually drove me to the show because I was not going to bloody miss it, and I think caught the <laughs> I could literally caught the encore. But I could hear people talking about you guys at the bar, you know that. I actually it was one of those few times where I heard people say, What do you think of the opening band? Like they couldn't remember what you got what the name was, but they were clearly talking about you guys mm. and that's when I heard the duo. And and they said, No, they were they were outstanding and then I read a few of the uh, the write ups on Twitter about how you guys performed across the the shows, man, and uh that's why I said early on when I went to open the conversation that you have endeared yourself uh, to Australian audiences, man, I don't think you're going to have any trouble at all attracting people to these headline shows, man. Is this so? Are these the the first headline shows in a? I know you're a Kiwi, so Australia is basically just down the road, mm-hmm. mate, effectively. But is it? Are these are these the are these the first headline shows that you're doing in another country? Um, not in another country, but in Australia, they are. Yes. Um, okay. We've played, you know, small headline shows, if you want to call them that, in New Zealand, in the States, um, in Europe, all over the place. But um, these are these are important shows for us, absolutely. You know, um, we've pl- this is our third time in Oz, and uh, through through this uh, strange situation, um, <laughs> we've chosen to to try and fill that slot, which will be which will be no easy task. Um, but it's you know. We're going to give our best, and which we we just do our thing. We we're honest, and we give our hundred and fifty percent every show. So, yeah, we'll see what um we'll see what comes of it. We yeah. really look forward to uh, having some new faces in the crowd too. Hopefully, yeah. well, I think so. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be the case. And mate, what what sort of a show have you got planned? Because um, if I'm not mistaken, you've got four releases out there, and you've probably got a bunch of other tracks. Uh, in your arsenal, but will they be drawn from Hero and also the EPs such as Soma and the like, or are you going to be using this as an opportunity to showcase some new material? Um, well, at the moment, you know, we, we'll ha- we've just recorded a new release that'll be our next um, fifth mini album. Um, uh, but you know, we, we're not actually in the position to play all of that yet. So. Yeah. Um, we will be just covering the board of our discography and there's, you know, it's a, it's an hour at least and a good mix of all of the, um, all of the songs. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. What about, 
the decision to play as a duo is a sort of a, <laughs> on the bass player. So it's always so I'm always somewhat curious whenever I see guitar and, and drum duos. I mean, the White Stripes, Local H, there's been some bloody good ones in the years gone by. And then, of course, there's you guys and, and Manta are just top of mind that I can sort of recollect now. But mm-hmm. w- was it a case of that you had bass players in the band and they were pains in the ass and you just thought, bugger this, we're just going to go it alone as a duo? Or is, or is it far more strategic than that? And you just went, no, I, I know what I want to achieve here with my, I think you play a 10-string guitar, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're, mm-hmm. ma- you're making a hell of a racket up there by yourself. <laughs> um, well, Andrew, it was actually a mix of both. You know, um, initially we, you know, it was the vision of the band was rather young. We didn't really know exactly what we were going to do. You know, it wasn't all planned out. So um, we did we did trial um, a few bassists from our group of friends mm-hmm. to see, you know, what would come of it, and um, it just never really worked out. They they just weren't on the same wavelength as us, and um, so we were we were left to our own devices. And um, after some time, it became apparent that we're quite quite happy um, keeping it as a duo. So I just expanded on on that um, uh, as a writing basis, you know. So adjusting all of the riffs um, to incorporate uh, bass frequencies where possible, you know. So it wasn't just, for example, just lead playing or just a lot of high end um, uh, black metal tremolo picking or something, you know. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. It, it just. But, but to be honest, you know, I've been doing this style since since I was playing in my first band in New Zealand years and years ago. So um, it, my, my guitar style has been, been pretty similar. Um, and it just, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's a challenge, but uh, it seems to be working out okay, and we don't really focus on that anymore. It's more about just writing and uh, yeah. improving on things, yeah. 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 Who who's who's inspired like who inspired you then? You know, as as young fellas we tend to sort of, you know, for me it was Faith No More and Primus, you know. But for you, mate, was it is it something more obvious like an emperor or an immortal or something like that when you heard them and went, Man, I need to do this, I want to play guitar and and uh do something similar? Well, my my father was definitely one of my biggest impressions. Uh he's a he's a singer songwriter mm. and a phenomenal guitarist and, and muso. So he was he's remained my one of my number one inspirations for sure and um and then when i got into heavier music you know um i started off with uh, i was grew up with 60s and 70s rock at home a lot of blues and jazz and stuff and classical but um i I got into um you know the grunge and things when i was younger and then i got into metal Mm. and um if you're looking at rhythm guitarists and vocalists which i was kind of doing since i was 14 15 then um Kurt Cobain was was a big thing for me back then. Okay. Some people might be shocked, but uh, I'm not. I can, I, I can well. see it. I can see it in your performance, actually. Yeah, visceral is the word okay. I'm use. Yeah, uh, but yeah, well, it was very. It's, he was always very honest and a genial songwriter. So, um, uh, you know, and that, countless others. I mean, in the extreme metal genre, definitely, um, Abath's playing inspired me a lot. Chuck Schuldiner, um, all of those things. Yeah, there. Shark. Yeah, there you go. Which which album impressed you the most? Oh. Um, Tough one, I know. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of middle of the board fan. Human had a big impression on me. Um, uh, yeah, uh, all of them actually. <laughs> so, but but difficult to pick the one I like the most. But um, uh, yeah. Just uh, it's a tough one with death, man. All right, look, I, I've actually interviewed Tim Amar, who was uh, the singer in Control Denied, Chuck's final ever project. 
So I was able to get mm-hmm. a, have a conversation with a guy who was in the studio with him when he was sort of evolving into that that prog stuff that he was doing and moving mm-hmm. away from a lot of the straight up death metal stuff. Sounds like you're yeah. on a Japanese train there. So like... I, I am in a train uh, because I have I've, I've got a busy day, mate, and. Uh, it's it's good though. No problem as that's long cool. as the internet yeah. connection holds up. No, that's yeah. fine. No, that's awesome. Yeah, no worries. Um, I was saying, <laughs> yeah, I, I had a chat to him and and see, I, I think Chuck was getting better as he evolved. But a lot of people love the earlier stuff, spiritual healing and all the rest of it. But I I, I find that stuff a bit brutal, uh, meaning that I, I love oh, the melody yeah. that you're throwing in. You know, around uh, sound of perseverance is just all time, for me. Yeah, for for, for me, probably symbolic is like up there, um, all all around because I think. From, from beginning to, to the end, it's just almost perfect. <laughs> and uh, the playing's insane. And it's just, but it's but it's minimalist, you know, it's all reduced to the absolute minimum, but it's still technically demanding. And uh, it's amazing. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had a you know, that you. and a lot of other um, musical styles. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, there's, there's two things that I can definitely resonate for me when I'm actually watching your performances on YouTube, okay? So the Kurt Cobain thing I can definitely see. All of the very best qualities that he brought to the stage I can see come out in you. You know, there's that, it, you're very intense. Okay. You That's know? interesting. I've never heard that before, but that, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I take it as a compliment. It's meant to be. You know, I know I know. like a lot of metalheads are, you know, they, they distance Nirvana from, from everything else they listen to, but they shouldn't because Nirvana actually broke open say because of nirvana's success you know we had a whole slew of bands in the 90s death metal bands like morbid angel that were you know they even got major label deals and and yeah yeah yeah. for Um, me there's a lot of misconceptions regarding um you know how grunge ruined metal but um uh or the whole punk and underground movement but that's i don't think so Uh, i think on the contrary it it opened the doors to to like a mainstream platform as you were saying so Yeah. yeah Yeah, no, agreed. And and the other thing that I can actually see, and I'm looking at looking at a photo on here, um, on Wikipedia, it's taken at uh, it's taken in 2006, man. But you, you, the way you actually hold your guitar is very similar to the way the great bluesmen, like the Albert Kings, hold their guitar, because you're all over mm-hmm. the fretboard, meaning that you're going right up to the 12th and 16th fret to do what you need to do. So, man, you've got a lot of a blues. You're like a an old school blues player as well. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Well, um, you know, I love the blues, and my dad's a blues guitarist, basically in essence. So, yeah. and he, he showed me a lot of, um, you know, good techniques. Um, check out, check out that photo. And, well, check out the photo on YouTube, man. You actually look like a, a six-string bass player, the way you're holding it. It's the, the, the fingering. <laughs> is, right, gotcha. I can. I'm. I because I'm a musician. I I look at you know the fretting hand i always look at the fretting hand to see how that's being shaped and with you man it's almost it's 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 dead on in line with the frets meaning that you get a very well, crisp a good, note a good eye as well it's a heavy i play heavy gauge strings it's a it's a very heavy set neck um it's a baritone mensur um i i hold the body pretty high up so i don't get any cramps you know it's just better technique for you for yourself so yeah um, yeah yeah, no, I can okay. see that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, well, mate, I'll make this one my uh, my final question then for you. In terms, terms okay. of the future, you've pretty much got, as far as I can see, man, you've got the world at your feet. 
Okay, so, you know, there's only two of you, so there's less people to worry about when you're on tour and all the rest of it, less people to worry about getting drunk and all the rest of it. You've just got a drummer to worry about. <laughs> you know, but, but how, how, uh, he's how, pretty well behaved. <laughs> how far do you want to do you want to take this? I mean, it's, it's a career for you, obviously, man, but in terms of what your plans are, can you share any of them? Yeah. Oh, just going to... Hello, Andrew. Hi, mate. Can you hear me? I can hear. Yeah, sorry, the internet's a little bit bad. Um, yeah, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, man. I mean, if you know, obviously, we're going to give our best, um, try and make the best decisions we can. Um, but it's, you know, a lot of it has to do with the right time, luck, and all of those, all of those factors involved. So. Um, yeah, okay, we'll see. We'll see what comes of the whole I've thing. Forgotten, I've forgotten to ask you a question. I'm actually really interested in your gear. You know that. So hmm. you play a ten-string guitar. What what brand are you playing? Well, I've had a. I used to play BC Rich Bitch, um, the ten-string from the '80s, an original, really nice model. Wow. Okay. Um, but I, it, it was getting. You know, the the neck, the stock was too short for uh, the tuning I was wanting. So, um, and I moved to A. And uh, so I got a custom, uh, two customs. One of them wasn't wasn't really nice after a while. So I yeah, I got I a better that. one made. I've been playing yeah. that now for three years. So um, yeah, it's it's great. Nameless a nameless custom made by a great English uh, friend of mine in Zurich. So yeah. okay, gotcha. Because it's a wood grain. This yeah. is like a two tone wood grain that you're using. Indeed, it's uh, well. This one's solid uh, walnut, and with nice. a maple neck. Um, yeah. It's very heavy which has uh, brought me to move on to getting two more made, which are much lighter and tour-worthy in that sense. So yeah. um, I need a backup guitar anyway live, you know. Of um, course, so yeah. these, ones, these ones are lighter, same woods, a little bit of a different design, but uh, they should be easier to get around with because uh, after like 25 shows or so with this one, you can start getting some shoulder and back issues, and that's not yeah. what I want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, especially not the way that, I mean, you're a very intense performer, man, so you probably don't even notice sometimes that you've got this, this weight around your neck. Or you just It's just the, the instrument or the, the object through which you're channeling your wonderful music. And, mate, by the time you finish it, I bet when you have your first beer, when you get off stage, man, your neck is probably thinking, you probably feel like you've played a game of rugby or something. Mate, yeah, it's, it's, it can be. You have to watch out, eh? So, yeah. um, I've had my situations in the past, a uh, few back issues and things, but, uh, I just know, I, you know, try and take care of myself. I'm, I'm a very sporty fit person, hmm. not really, uh, too much of a party guy anymore. So, uh, that really helps a lot as well. I yeah. Bet. yeah, I bet. Mate, what about, um, amplification? Are you you're using the, the standard JCM behind you there or have you got, or you, you might not have a preference? No, I'm. Uh, I don't use Marshalls anymore. I haven't for years. Uh, not for boats or anyway. Um, I'm an Orange and Dorsey, so I play uh, Rocker Verbs or my Dual Dark, which is my preferred amp. And then yep. on the other side, I've been running a PV6505 or a 5150. It's um, perfect oh, okay. sonic combination. The Orange and the PVs really. You cover the entire frequency board, and it's just uh, ideal for my for what I've been doing. So. Um, yeah, yeah, that's basically my two stock setup and in a bass rig. Yeah. Okay, so you're running them in in stereo, is that right? And then you've got a bass rig, so you've got effectively three separate things happening. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, what's the bass rig you've chosen? I'm I'm a Galleon Kruger player actually. Uh, well, for me, 
<laughs> I I like SVTs, you know, your, oh, your yeah. Ampex. God, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, for, because the the signal is pretty, it's more subsonic. So it's like it's below two octaves. So um, okay. I'm not I'm not really reliant on <laughs> the wonderful tube tone that you would be after, you know, with a normal bass setup. So uh, mm. actually, I've been yeah, I'm just left to whatever amps there. But I do prefer the SVT setup. Yeah, mm. I do too. It's just that they're heavy, bloody things to carry around, aren't they? They are so heavy, they and are. if you drop them, you're up for like four grand or whatever they're bloody worth. Especially the good ones, Oof. even more. Uh, I've got yeah, a mate who uses one, and it's like, man, really. In gigs where people come with beers on top of it, I've seen them do that. You know, I have all, <laughs> I have all my stuff in it. I play covers, and and so I play like funk and disco music and pop music, and as far about as far from metal as you can get, man. But they get pretty. The gigs still get pretty full on, uh, as you can appreciate. And if you're playing up in Bundaberg or somewhere in a, a country town here in Queensland, man. They want their fucking rock and roll, man, and they'll get up right close next to you. And you're not telling them to get off stage. Yeah. They're staying there until they're done. No, no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Well, I've had to, you know, mention, you know, that brings me to an interesting point. I've had to adjust elements of my um, of my setup over the years, you know, due to that. Exactly. You know, like the pedal boards, you've got to make everything more robust because uh, some countries do like to get more physically involved. So whenever, which is great. <laughs> And uh, yeah. and also down to humidity uh, problems when you're traveling around, all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, mate, good luck with the shows, eh? Like, I'm, I'm as I said, I'm gonna just. It's so hard for me with two kids to get out. I, I always say to artists, "Look, I'm gonna go to the show, and then I don't. And I feel really bad, to be honest. So, I, uh, I'm mm-hmm. gonna try and get to these shows here. I want it first and foremost. I want to support you guys uh, in your endeavor here. I think it's a wonderful thing that you're doing, and um, you're a bloody good band. Is the other thing. You know that, and and I want to see you succeed, man. So I want to be just a you know a little bit of a part of what you guys are doing when when you hit the stages here. I think you're playing. Is it Woolly Mammoth here in Brisbane? If I'm not mistaken, it should. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I don't have the the gig poster with me at the moment, but man, that'll be great shows, and you guys will be very well supported. So thank you for doing what you're doing and coming down again. Well, thank you, Andrew. Man, that means a lot. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, I brother. Hope you can make it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, cool. Um, mate, the final point I'll say, if, if you're comfortable with everything we've spoken about, I'll release it as a podcast episode. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for the support. No, no worries, mate. All the best <laughs> with it. And uh, you've got my details. And everything. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series, and my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was Okoy Jones from the Swiss and Kiwi outfit, Bullza. Thanks so much for listening.